This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's right. If you haven't got enough of me, you got me for at least another hour and a half. That's right. Let that music play. Gee, I wonder what we should talk about tonight. Uh, You know, there's a few things happening in New York sports tonight, right? Both baseball teams in action. Watching the Yankees maybe on Amazon Prime. Good luck with that. I don't know. I mean, there's some NBA playoffs. You had, you know, Jason Tatum and Giannis putting on a show tonight as Boston forces a game number seven. You got the Capitals going to overtime right now, trying to extend their season against the Florida Panthers down in D.C. You know, you had giant rookie minicamp, as a matter of fact. James Harden's going golfing because he didn't feel like playing basketball for the 76ers and their season's over. So, I mean, like, you know, there's a bunch of those things we could choose from. I don't know. What do you think? What should we do? What should we what, what should we start with? You know, by the way, if you do want to be part of the program, 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. You can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. And I should say that Brian Mungia and Tom Bauer are producing this program today. And we're going to take it right up until midnight. All of your phone calls as we recap the night in sports. But come on, all kidding aside, you know where we have to start, right? You know where we have to begin. Because let's rewind a few days. After game number four in Pittsburgh, when the Rangers just lost their second game in Pittsburgh in a row, they had just given up seven goals for the second consecutive game. Hope was fleeting, right? We're down three games to one. Your big guns were not producing. Sidney Crosby, his line, with his buddy Jake Getzel, Brian Rust, you couldn't stop them. Didn't have an answer for them. Igor Shesterkin, the best goaltender in the National Hockey League this year. Vesna Trophy finalist, an eventual winner too. Hart Trophy finalist for the league's most valuable player. Guy got pulled in both games in Pittsburgh. Gave up 10 goals in three periods. You know, the fans there at PPG Paints Arena, they're giving him like the old Daryl treatment that Strawberry used to get back in the day, right? Igor. Igor. You weren't feeling optimistic about this Ranger team, and I know the stories, and I know what happened a couple of times in the past decade, right? Down three games to one, did it against this Penguin team, did it against the Washington Capitals in successive seasons. That was a different team. Heck, the only guy still around from those teams was Chris Kreider. That's it. The guy who was in goal, the guy who backstopped you to those victories, the guy who you put all of your faith and trust in, that guy's wearing the fancy suits right now with his hair slicked back in the MSG studio. He doesn't have the pads on. He doesn't have the goalie mask on. He's given up playing. So, yeah, you got this goalie who's been sensational, but this goalie's never really done it in the playoffs before, at least not had the success that Hank did. So questions were abound. And then you get to Wednesday night, back at the Garden. And if there was any time for the Rangers to rise up in front of the fans, now was the time when you had absolutely zero margin for error. Zero. None. And what happens? Fell behind 2 nothing. 
midway through the second period. Not a heck of a lot of energy. Not creating a lot of chances. Remember, that's still Louis Deming on the other end of the ice. Louis Deming thought his career was over. Louis Deming actually got into, like, baking pastries and desserts. He even has a cookbook out. I'm serious. You can look it up on Amazon and buy it if you're into that sort of thing. And this is the guy who's about to send you home from the playoffs in the first round. When you won 52 games and you registered 110 points and you started to dream big and you were going to lose to Chef Boyardee. And then something happened. Something changed. You want to say it was Sidney Crosby leaving game number five after that collision with Jacob Truba? Be my guest. All right? Penguins still got a lot of good players, though. And you still have to crawl out of a two-goal deficit, but slowly and surely they did it. And they put three goals on the board on three consecutive shots, and you started to feel the tide turn. But then, wait a minute, hold on, slow up. Then Gensel says, not so fast, 13 seconds later, and he got a tie hockey game going into the third period. Now you're sweating again. Now it's anybody's game going into the third period. But they find a way. The kid line, Heedle on the power play. Rangers lead. They tack on an empty netter. Rangers win. Lindgren, the gutty performance out there on one leg, essentially, gets the empty netter, battles through pain. You got to win. You got to trip back to Pittsburgh for a game number six. Then tonight rolls around. No Crosby. Penguins without their best player. Penguins without their captain. You know that crowd was going to be fired up. You know that they were going to be chanting Igor loud and loud. How would the Rangers respond? Well, they didn't get off to the start you wanted them to get off to. Because the Pens put two on the board again in that first period. And once again, not a lot of good quality chances. Not making Louis Deming's job difficult enough in that first period. And then you start to think again. Shades of games three and four in Pittsburgh. To where now you're talking about Igor. After that first period, he had given up 12 goals in four periods in that building in this series. And you're probably not feeling so good. And you're probably thinking, well... Maybe it's not to be. Maybe it's not our year. But this team, which has been resilient all season long, remember, they only had really one losing streak legitimately of three games during the season. That one at the end of the year when they were resting, guys, that doesn't kind of truly count in one of those games, not in my opinion. Your best players have to be your best players. And what happened? That first line rises to the occasion. Mika's on the board finally with a goal. Couple of minutes later, Mika again with a goal. Mika almost gets the hat trick coming out of the penalty box, except he was stopped by the post. Then they take a lead. Kreider, your big guys, your top line getting it done. And it was the same exact script as Wednesday night. I talked about it on the postgame show. Two nothing deficit, come back three unanswered. You have a lead, but then you can't get to the locker room with that one goal lead because Malkin makes an all world play because he is an all world player. Beats Igor with the swipe off to the races. It's 3 3 going into the second intermission, and you're sweating again. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond? Are they going to deliver a game number seven on Sunday night, or is your heart going to be ripped out? Right, because you've been down this road many times before if you're a fan of this team. But they responded. And it looked as if we were going to overtime. Like, I'm sitting here getting ready for the end of the third period, and I'm expecting 
to talk about an overtime and to get ready for an extra period of hockey at the very least. I didn't think this game was going to be decided in regulation. I mean, heck, there was under two minutes to play. And I also mentioned in the postgame show, give Igor all the credit in the world. All the credit in the world. Pittsburgh only had, what, like eight shots on goal in that third period, but he stood on his head when he had to, and he kept the puck out of the net, and he allowed the Rangers to hang around and to allow Pittsburgh to make that one fatal mistake which the Rangers would capitalize on, which they've done such a good job of doing all year, taking advantage of the opponent's mistakes. And it's the old cliche, fire the puck to the net, you see what happens, right? Fire the puck to the net, good things are bound to happen. And you have Chris Kreider at the point, just fire one to the cage, make a streak and pass Louis Domingue, and then a deflection happens, Domingue loses control of the puck, it flutters over him and into the back of the net, and just like that, the Rangers have a lead improbably, unpredictably, they've got themselves a lead. Wasn't pretty, wasn't how you draw it up, but it's a lead nonetheless. It's a hard-working goal. And then they get the empty netter for insurance. So you know what? Doesn't matter who played, who didn't play. Doesn't matter how you got it done. Doesn't matter that you came from behind. Didn't matter that you didn't dominate for 60 minutes. You know what matters? It matters that when those clocks hit triple zero, you had not just one, but two more goals than the other team. And both of you are getting on a plane to come back to the Big Apple for Sunday at the Garden. And as soon as we get the game time, by the way, if we get it over the next hour or so, we'll let you know. So I want to hear from the Ranger fans. I mean, I've been talking about them all night long. But now I want to hear from you guys. Where is your confidence level right now after these last two games, and specifically after this game? We don't know what the status of Sidney Crosby is going to be. And you know what? That really shouldn't matter, to be quite honest with you. Because it's not like the Rangers, as I said, won this game convincingly without Crosby in the lineup. You still have to work for it. And the Rangers came oh so close to seeing their season end tonight. So whether Crosby plays or not coming up on Sunday, I don't think makes a heck of a lot of difference. Don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal player, and you'd much rather not have him on the ice because they're not as strong of a team if he's on there, but that's still a good hockey team. That's still a hockey team capable of beating you and ending your season. You know, the Penguins have won games this year when Sidney Crosby's not in the lineup. They're 5-5-4 without him. But what a crazy couple of games. And it was a little bit, like I said, like Groundhog Day. Following a similar script, game five into game six, and now boom, you got a game seven for all the marbles. Good luck sleeping the next two nights. If you're a Ranger fan, I know that's all you're going to be thinking about for the next 48 hours, as you should. It's the playoffs. This is your season. Want to hear from you, 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until midnight tonight, so a lot of reaction. We'll also rehash some of the comments from the Ranger postgame victorious celebration podium, whatever you want to call it. We'll also check in on the baseball teams. Yankees are still in action right now. 
as we speak in Chicago, and yeah, yawn, they're winning because that's all they do. And the Mets actually lost the game tonight. You believe that? They lost to the Seattle Mariners. Max Scherzer was Max Scherzer, but Met offense didn't do anything after the first inning. And they couldn't bust through Marco Gonzalez and that Seattle bullpen, including former Met Paul Seawald, who gets four outs in relief, strands runners on base, go-ahead runners on base, gets Starling Marte to, what, end that seventh inning as I was watching it out of the corner of my eye. Isn't it amazing, too? Paul Seawold, who couldn't get anybody out when he was wearing a Met uniform, now comes over to the Seattle Mariners, and he's like the second coming of Mariano Rivera when he has to be. Go figure. 30 seconds to go. In the zone, chased by Rooney. Backhand to Cop. Scores into the empty net with 26.4 to go. Rangers 5, the Penguins 3. What and get ready for game what 7 Sunday. What are you Sunday. doing on? The Rangers with two from Zibanejad, two from Kreider, including the game winner. Six seconds. It's played through center. Four seconds to go. The New York Rangers down 3-1 of the series have come to Pittsburgh and forced a Game 7 final score in Game 6. Rangers 5 and Pittsburgh 3. Amazing. A Game 7 Sunday at the Garden. Just like that, we got ourselves a winner-take-all Game 7 coming up on Sunday at MSG. Ed Cohen, Pete Stemkowski on the call. Those guys did a great job tonight at PPG Paints Arena as the Blue Shirts are moving to a Game 7. Florida Panthers are moving on to the second round. They just defeat the Capitals and eliminate them in overtime moments ago, 4-3 to three the final. So whoever wins game number seven on Sunday between the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins will meet the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers coming up in round number two. Uh, Florida, by the way, their first playoff series win since 1996 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Crazy crazy but that is indeed what they now have on their hands and look they're a talented team and they're going to be a handful for whoever they face coming up next here uh let's go to the phones and let us get your reaction i know people are fired up off these two back-to-back ranger victories let's start it off with kristen east islip he's up first here on 9870 SPN. christopher how are you all right how you doing good chris what's going on fired up I'm fired up after the win. I was there on Wednesday night at the Garden with my boys. Good game. But the, the one thing that I, we have to shut down is, you know, when, when we got up and then I'm, I'm high-fiving my, my kid, and then by the time I sat down, the Penguins had scored in 10 seconds. You know, if we can stop that from happening, those, those, those little, you know, those quick ones like that, we're, we're going to be in the game. We got this. Sustain momentum, right? I, I think that's a big one. Now, look, they were able to overcome it, and you don't want to live by that formula, Chris, right? You, you don't want to do right. that. But to your point, you know, like the other night, you scored the three goals in the second period, and then 13 seconds later, boom, tie game. Like before you're right. even you know, back in down. your seat. Yeah. yeah, before you're even back in your I, seat, it's a tie game. And then tonight it, was, it wasn't quite 13 seconds, but it was just under three minutes. And then Malkin comes back and ties the game for you. It's, it, it's, you don't want to play with fire too much. They were fortunate the last couple of games, but I agree with you 100%. Yeah, all right. We'll keep it up. We got, we got locked down Sunday and then the next round. Let's go, baby. One at a time. One at a time. Chris, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. And, and, you know, you got to be fired up. You've got to be fired up if you're a Ranger fan. Now, I'm being told, by the way, by a very, very credible source 
that we do have a start time, an official start time for game number seven. It is going to be a 7 p.m. puck drop at Madison Square Garden coming up on Sunday evening. So our coverage right here on 98.7 ESPN will begin at 6.30 on Sunday evening. So Rangers, Penguins, make your plans now. Clear out the schedule. You know, make whatever excuse you have to use to get away from the family. So you can either head to the garden, head to your buddies, head to your favorite local establishment, or even just clear the couch so you could sit there and watch Ranger playoff hockey because this is the season obviously coming up here on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's real quick, let's get some reaction in case you missed it from a few of the key contributors for tonight's game. Uh, Chris Kreider, who got back in the score column tonight, he was asked what's allowed this team to come back from deficits these last two games. Good coaches, good young guys, good vets, good room. I mean, we've we've been able to come together as a team through hard times over the course of the over the year. Of course, the, the last couple of years, I think it's been a long time coming for us. So, you know, regardless of the situation, I'm proud proud of the way this team competes. Whether we're down, whether we're up, trying to get to our game, trying to play the same way. So that is Chris Kreider. And how about Chris on how important it was to score so quickly on the power play tonight? Yeah, I think it was nice to see it go in. I think we've been doing a lot of good things on the power play. You want to at least generate momentum if the puck's not going in, but at the same time, you want to see the puck go in. You know, doing a lot of good things and not getting results is one thing, but you, know, you, know, you want to see the puck go in. So it was good that we were able to, to cash in on that play there. You also had the first career playoff hat trick for Mika Zibanejad tonight, and he had had a fairly quiet series up until this point. He was asked if it was hard to stay positive through the struggles. I don't think it's easy because then it would have been be able to stay positive through all of this. But I think it's just a lot of credit to the, the teammates around, people around. And, and just at the end of the day, if the hard work is there, it's going to turn around eventually. And I know playing with the players I play with, and it's just try to do the right thing day in and day out. And, and then just trying to work hard. And again, a lot of credit to this guy right here, too, playing with him for you know, six years and been kind of helping each other out through, through all types of times. And, and um, you know. It's just um, trust yourself, work hard, and, and uh, go from there. And lastly, let's hear from the head coach his thoughts on his first behind the bench, Game 7 with the New York Rangers. It's exciting, you know. Uh, three days ago we were down 3-1, and now we got a chance to go back home and win a Game 7. But uh, you know what? The first two were, were battles, and we had to win hard, and nothing's going to change in the next one. I mean, home ice is great, but it's going to be a great game. Just enjoy this one at least until you get on the flight back home or at least until the wheels touch down back in Westchester for this uh, game number seven. Enjoy this, but you're going to have to make some adjustments as all teams do. You're not going to you know, employ the same game plan, but by the time you get to a game seven in any series, no matter what sport you're talking about, let's, let's be honest. Both teams know each other's secrets. There are no more secrets. Both teams know each other extremely well. You know, when you've laid it out on the line like these two clubs have here in a hard-fought series, remember, they've played each other a handful of times during the regular season, your division rivals, you know each other so well. This is just what team wants it more, you know, which team is going to outwork the other, and it's incredible theater. There's nothing, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? I mean, you could be biggest football fan in the world, baseball fan, whatever. There is no postseason like the Stanley Cup playoffs. None indisputable none and that's why the stanley cup is the hardest trophy in all of sports to win without a doubt and generally speaking you know it's the great thing about it is as opposed to just the one game format like you have in football you know you play seven games generally speaking the best team is going to come out on top 
you know, to beat a team four out of seven, that stands for something. It's not, oh, you just have to be better one game for 60 minutes. No, none of that. I mean, it might make it more exciting in that format. That's why you get upset sometimes in the NFL or like the NCAA tournament or something like that. But, you know, then they always say, well, they got upset, but if they played 10 times, the other team would win nine of them or something. Well, you don't worry about that in hockey. You know, best team is generally who is going to win. And if you're the Rangers, hey, it's all right there for you. The roof is probably going to come off of Madison Square Garden on Sunday night. The fans are going to give the Rangers every bit of support and then some that they could possibly want. Like, you're not going to be able to ask for a better environment to play hockey in. If you're the New York Rangers, like that is going to be the epitome of home ice advantage. It is going to be bonkers on Sunday night. And not that the Rangers are thinking that far ahead, but by the time they take the ice on Sunday evening, they're going to know who their next opponent will be in the next round because game seven between Carolina and Boston is coming up tomorrow. So the winner of that one will already be awaiting the winner of the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Florida is now into the second round. They're the first team in the Eastern Conference to punch their ticket to that next round, and congrats to them. So the Caps are going home, Panthers are moving on, and then you still have those three other series in the East that are going to need seven games to decide. Boston and Carolina, Tampa Bay and Toronto, and of course the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN is our telephone number. And I always think like if you're a fan, generally speaking, like you're a Ranger fan, not only are you like on cloud nine right now, and I guess the only thing better would be, like, if you had the series wrapped up and you were just sitting back and, you know, awaiting your next opponent and already guaranteed a spot in the second round. But the fact that it's a weekend, right, you get to enjoy this one for a couple of days. Heck, you might even be out right now going to your favorite place to, to celebrate tonight's victory. You might be there already, and this might be where you watch the game. And then it got all Saturday to enjoy it, you know, riding high off of these two wins. But once Sunday gets here, the mood changes a little bit, right? It's a little bit of a different vibe because it's game day. It's game night. All business. Win or go home. And, you know, game sevens, I don't think I have to tell you, game sevens are when legends are made. Reputations are forged, especially in this city. You don't have to be a star player, you know. But if you make the play, if you make the decisive play that sends your team to victory in a winner-take-all game, your name goes down in history. And we'll see if that's somebody from the Rangers on Sunday. 800-919-3776 is our telephone number. Rangers win. Rangers win. We got ourselves a game number seven. And in case you're just joining us, it'll be Sunday night at 7 p.m. right here on 98.7. So our pregame coverage begins at 6.30 on Sunday to get you set for a decisive winner-take-all game between the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Magnificent performance tonight by a, a, a number of New York Rangers. But you start, of course, with that top line. Chris Kreider with a goal and an assist. Mika Zibanejad breaking out of his scoring slump with his first ever career playoff hat trick. Also throws an assist. How about Adam Fox? I mean, we almost just get, like, immune to it now. It's like, well, yawn. Adam Fox has, you know, a multi-assist game. Four more on the board tonight to help this team win. And I know that Igor Shesterkin allowed three goals. I get it, right? But he made 31 saves. And more importantly, he kept that puck out of the goal in the final 20 minutes when that was still a tie hockey game. When one would have meant the end of their season in all probability. 
you know, coaches talk about all the time and, you know, covering the game as long as I have now and just, you know, hearing players, coaches, whatnot. They talk about goaltending and especially in big games like this. They talk about not just making saves, but key saves. You'll hear that term thrown around a lot, key saves. Igor made key saves in the third period of this hockey game. Maybe none spectacular, right? Not necessarily doing backflips and cartwheels and standing on his head or anything like that, but key saves. And sometimes a key save is more important in the grand scheme of things than a spectacular, unbelievable stop. And you got to feel good about your chances. Now, the interesting thing is, not just when you're talking about Pittsburgh for game number seven and whether or not Sidney Crosby is going to be available, you wonder if Tristan Jari is going to be ready to go for that game. Now, that is asking a lot. Tristan Jari obviously is the superior goaltender over Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue is a journeyman. Louis Domingue was third string. He was pressed into duty because Jari was unavailable at the beginning of the series, then Casey DeSmith got hurt. So Jari's been skating, you know, for the last several days. And you just wonder, if he's good to go and knowing the magnitude of this game, I wonder if Mike Sullivan would actually give him the nod on Sunday night, given the fact that, well, he hasn't played in a while. And that is a heck of a spot to work off the rust, per se, in a winner-take-all game seven. You know, I would be surprised, probably, if it's Jari, but that's another potential storyline we could see unfold here over the next 48 hours, as far as the Penguins are concerned. Remember, you can get me on Twitter as well, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. All right, let's get to the phones. A lot of people fired up. Ian, Long Island. He's up next year on 98.7 ESPN. Ian, how's things? Hey, Dan, how you doing? Big Good, Ian, what's up? Well, you mentioned, you mentioned Jari. I was going to mention about Crosby. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to even be available and play for Game 7. I kind of would like to see him play just because to shut up all the Pens fans who say that Truba went after him, and I don't think it was a dirty hit, to be honest, because I'd like to beat them with Crosby in the lineup. But I think if I was Sullivan, I'd put Jari in, especially after the, the way that they played the last two games, Pittsburgh, having, a, having game seven on the line. They should, they should have won those two games. I'd put Jari in to mix it up. What are your thoughts? And here's the here's the thing. Like I said, and, and look, nobody is is denying the fact that Jari is the better goaltender. But like I also said, think about how long it's been since this guy's played, and you're gonna throw him in there in a game seven, to where you know if he's rusty to the point where maybe he is he misplays a couple of shots that that should be saves and ultimately end up in the back of the net. That could mean summer vacation for the Penguins, and they're going home. Now, I, I hear what yeah. you're saying. You know, Domingue has squandered a pair of, you know, two-goal leads in the last couple of games. So, that, you know, he's been far from impenetrable. And after all, he's Louis Domingue. He's Louis Domingue, a.k.a. Chef Boyardee, right? But <laughs> right now he's the guy that's gotten, he's gotten you this far. You know, he's, he's won you three games, and quite possibly, you know, in, in other circumstances, he might have won you this series. It's it's a trick look. That's why they pay Mike Sullivan all that money to be the head coach of a hockey team because he's going to have to be the yep. one to make this tough decision. But, you know, from what you're saying, from what I'm saying, it, to me it is a, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, conversation that he and his coaches are going to have to have for Sunday. Absolutely. Is there a chance Crosby comes back? 
There's a chance, but remember, the only thing about it, Ian, and I thank you for the phone call, they haven't come out and said this specifically, but in all probability, we're talking about a concussion, right? They, in hockey, you know, hockey, they get away with upper and lower body, but anybody who saw it, anybody that knows, you know, about Crosby, it's, it's a head injury. And Crosby does have a history of concussions, which makes it even more tricky, and that's one of the reasons why I'm sure that Pittsburgh decided to sit him tonight. Now, I don't even know if he was cleared medically to return for the game tonight, but that's also why we can't sit here and begin to speculate about his availability. You know, I don't think Mike Sullivan provided any sort of concrete information one way or the other, and I, didn't, I wouldn't expect him to after the game tonight. You know, even if, even if he knows one way or the other if Crosby's going to play or not, I don't think that he's going to tell the media and tell the world and, more importantly, tell the New York Rangers. Let the Rangers guess as to whether or not Crosby's going to be out there because the one difference you did see in tonight's game, maybe a coincidence, maybe not, Saw Mika Zibanejad get on the score sheet tonight, have himself a productive game. Do you want to attribute that exclusively to the fact that Mika did not have to chase Sidney Crosby all around the ice? And maybe he was able to roam free a little bit more, and that's why he put himself in position to score those goals? It's possible. You know, I'm sure that that played into it somehow, but as I also mentioned, Pittsburgh has enough guys that are more than capable of stealing this hockey game. You know, Evgeny Malkin is a world-class hockey player. Chris Letang, I know that he's a little long in the tooth, but still capable. He's still Chris Letang. He could, he could dial it back for one game when he needs to. Jeff Carter's won Stanley Cups, scored a goal again tonight. He's been a pain in the neck in this series, right? Jake Gensel's been arguably the hottest player in the entire series. Guy got seven goals in the series. And tonight he assisted on another one. So Pittsburgh has enough guys that are capable of beating the New York Rangers. And, you know, I, I don't know what Crosby's status is going to be. And when you're talking about a head injury, it's not a knee, it's not a shoulder, it's not an ankle, it's not a foot to where you can tape it up, you can rub some dirt on it, you know, icy hot or whatever you want to call it, and get out there and suck it up. Head injury's different. You know, he can't go out there wearing a football helmet. So it makes it that much more unpredictable about whether or not he's going to play or not. And if you're the Rangers, you know what? Whether he plays, whether he doesn't play, you know what the task is. Go win the game. Go win the game. The head coach was asked, by the way, about the performance of one Mika Zibanejad who broke out of his scoring slump with that hat trick tonight. Yeah, no, he feels a lot better. There's no doubt. I mean, Mika puts a lot of pressure on himself, and, you know, he hates seeing a little minus, too, beside his name before the game. And But you just got to relax and go play your game. Have fun, Mika. Go play. And, uh, you know, don't worry about other players and the other team. Worry about your game because he's a great player. And, we, you know, he carried us all year long, and he felt loose tonight. And, you know, go play. And, and that's what he did. What does a win like this say about the character of this hockey team? No, it's, I mean, it's not easy playing on the road. I mean, you know, game six is a huge game tonight, obviously, and they're the home crowd, and their crowd is going crazy, just like we get the momentum in our building. 
and uh, you know they came out and we just looked a step behind and it happened in all three games here and then we found our game and in the second period we started four checking more and getting you know taking advantage of them a little bit and that's what happens when you get a two nothing lead sometime or a three nothing lead you sort of sit back a little bit and don't want to make a mistake and you know they didn't take it to us much in the second and I thought we got our game going and you know fortunately for us we got some big goals. Indeed they did. So the Rangers live to see another day. That'll be coming up on Sunday in Madison Square Garden against these Pittsburgh Penguins. And you'll know who you're going to play next, right? Boston plays Carolina coming up tomorrow. Winner of that moves on to round two, and then they get the winner of the Rangers-Penguins. But that, you know, that is the furthest thing from the Rangers' mind. Right now, them and Pittsburgh, you know, they just want to get to the second round. Doesn't matter who the opponent's going to be. And they're just worrying about the team down the other end of the ice for at least 60 more minutes coming up on Sunday. Robbie in Massachusetts, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Robbie, good evening. How are you? Let's go, Rangers. Dan, how you doing, man? It's been a long time. What's up, Rob? I wanted to talk to Larry and to Gordon during the week, but it's great to talk to you, man. You know what? I want to thank I want to thank this station for talking hockey. I really do. Like you know, Donnie in the afternoon, and obviously Peter. It's my favorite team. I mean, I grew up in Portchester, New York. I all my life I went to practices, watched games with the injured players. It's my favorite team in sports, and. You know, I'm, I'm glad they came back tonight. They showed a lot of the resilience. But let's be honest. I mean, they really miss Sidney Crosby. And that opened a lot of things for Mika. Let's hope that Mika gets some confidence. i got to ask you, though, that Panarin. I, I just don't get Panarin sometimes. It's almost like he's not involved enough. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a problem for me. You need to get more involved. And the other thing, too, is one of the things I noticed is their gap play. They, they, the Rangers have a problem of backing into the zone. they got to be better. They, they allow a lot of slot shots coming back off in transition. So, I mean – Tyler Mott was a really effective player tonight, and I, I, he was on the, you know, on the ice for the game-winning goal. It was a fluky goal, but, but Tyler Mott played very, very well, I thought. Uh, did you think Tyler Mott played well tonight, Dan? Well, Ty- Tyler Mott gave him some energy, and, and you know yeah, what? That's absolutely. a tough spot. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's yeah. a tough spot, just like I said, you know, when we were talking about Robbie uh, Tristan yeah. Jari and a guy who's, right. you know, it, if he's cleared to play, for example, for Game 7. He hadn't played in a long right. time. Think about how long it's been since Tyler Mott played. He didn't play, what, the last 10 yeah. games of the regular uh-huh. season or something? Yeah. Yeah, a month it's been at least. Yeah, I'm going to ask you: You think Jari's going to play Sunday? I, I have no idea. Like I said, I don't wow. know if he's going to be cleared. I, and and it's twofold. Number one, he's got to be cleared. Number two, do the right. Penguins feel comfortable just sticking him in there in a game seven when he hasn't played this long? Exactly, exactly. You know what's interesting though? I think now you got to feel good for Igor. He finally gets a win on the road, and now he can come home and be in his home and be in front of the fans. And, and, and I'm not saying relax. But you think he's have got a lot more confidence though right now coming home and playing in the seventh game. So I, I think that's going to be good for him. But you got to get the first goal. You know they've come back. You know everybody says you got to get the first goal. But again, they came back tonight. They've shown resilience all year. So there's not there's nothing they can't do. The thing to me though is it's just the fact to me it's their gap play when they when they back check. They've got to be quicker as far as like picking up guys in, in terms of uh, guys coming over the blue line and and the, and the entry passes. It's been too much too much slot time. Like I see the Penguins coming through the slot all the time and around that. And Keandre Miller, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but maybe we can get Jeff Bukaboom to teach this guy to hit somebody. I mean, he just doesn't hit anybody. Keandre you know, you know, Miller. Robbie, I, it, it, it's funny. Player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. funny you said that about Keandre Miller. And, and I thank you for the phone call. We got to hit a break here real quick, but. I noticed that myself. He was a little tentative. That's the word I'll use going into some of those battles in the corner to where you were expecting him to maybe, you know, put the body onto somebody there up against the boards. I, I would use tentative. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Or it's interesting that you made that observation as well there. Um, and, and as far as Panarin's concerned, 
you know, guy had a four-game point streak coming into the game tonight. He only has a couple of goals in the series, but it's not like he's been totally invisible. And, and he had a very good chance, by the way. It was in the first half of the third period. He got a shot off, you know, right outside the, uh, the circle to the right of Deming that Deming got a, a, a pad on, I believe, at the last second. It was a real, real good shot, a wrister to, if I remember correctly, I believe, at least from my estimation, that was like the Rangers' best scoring chance, I think, really, for the first maybe 12 minutes or so of that third period. Like, I think, you know, half the time, that shot goes in the net. It was that good of a shot. It, it was kind of deceptive. You know, it kind of caught Deming off guard a little bit that if a goalie is maybe lax for a second or two, that one finds the back of the net. So I thought Panarin had a good snipe at it there, but Deming was able to rise to the challenge and he made the save there. So, look, I, 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 I wouldn't worry too much about Panarin, you know, what he did or didn't do. You know, he, he's going to be there for you and he's capable of making a play at any given moment. And, you know, you're going to need him on Sunday. If you are going to make this comeback from three games to one down and win the series, 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. We'll get to some other things as well. We'll get to the Mets and Yankees for the evening. We'll also give a thought or two on the NFL schedules, which were released yesterday. So now we have a little bit of an idea how the fall and the winter are going to shake out for the two football locals. Stan Grosser with you till midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. We're taking a run up until midnight on this all-fired-up Friday night. The New York Rangers moving on to a game number seven. There are other things going on, though, in sports, like the NFL schedules that have just been released. And the 2022 New York Jets schedule is here. So from right now until Monday, May the 16th, at 9.59 a.m. So if you try to do this at 10 a.m. on Monday, you're too late. You're too late. But Visa cardholders get early access to purchase single home game tickets. How about that? Plus, fans can purchase the all-new seven-game plan by visiting nyjets.com slash tickets. Terms apply. Be listening to DiPietro and Rothenberg and the Michael K. Show all next week to learn how you can qualify to win a pair of Jets season tickets right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. See, what you got to do is you got to log on to the site there, buy tickets, Make sure you buy Coaches Club tickets so then on game days you could swing by the Coaches Club and you could come say hi to myself and to Greg Buttle, which is where we do the broadcast from on game days. We're there two hours before the game, two hours after the game. You come by, you say hi, you get free food and drink. It's all part of the game day experience. But you got to go on and you got to buy your tickets or you listen to the station and try to win yourself some season tickets one way or the other. But if you want to take part of that promotion, though, you got until Monday at 9.59 a.m. Eastern time. So you make sure that that happens. Just a couple of thoughts on the schedule here before we uh, continue on with some other things. And look, one of the more comical things to me, it's kind of like the annual rights in sports are when NFL schedules come out and everybody plays, like, the win-loss game. I understand that depending on who you work for, like, they may put you up to it. It's a slow news day. They want content. So they say, hey, you know, pick the games. Pick the schedule. Give me a predicted record. Fine, I'm not going to do that for you. I think it's ridiculous. But, and I know some people think, like, the just the whole practice of releasing the schedule gets way more attention than it should. Now, look, should it be a three-hour television production that the NFL puts together? No, of course not. It's ridiculous. Nobody is going to sit there and watch a full three hours of, you know, a schedule release because there's this thing called the Internet to where 
when it is 8 o'clock, you can just log on and you see your team's schedule and who they're playing, and that's it. You don't have to wait three hours for it. And plus, with leaks and everything, the, the schedules were out before 8 o'clock. So, but I'm one of those geeks, and I have been this way like my entire life before I even started working in the business. As a fan, I do get geeked up over the schedule. I look forward to the release of the schedule. Allows you to think ahead as to, you know, who's playing, who's not playing, where are you playing, this and that. You know, plus I was, you know, someone who had season tickets growing up, so I wanted to know, you know, what home games there were and when and the times and that sort of thing. And now, of course, you know, working for the Jets, being part of the broadcast, it's kind of allowing me to plan my, you know, September through, not even September, August through December and then into January. So I look forward to that each and every year here. And, you know, the Jets, of course, they start with the AFC North for the first four games of the season. Little unconventional. I thought I saw some stat that somebody put out there that's the first time a team has started with four consecutive games against one division, which is not theirs ever or something, whatever. But, you know, it's going to be a challenge, you know, because those teams are certainly formidable. They've got talent. You know, one of them went to the Super Bowl last year in the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's a team that, remember, last season came into MetLife Stadium and lost to Mike White in the Jets. So they probably are out for a little bit of payback. I'm sure they remember that game well from Halloween last year. But I think whatever sort of a slight advantage you look at it from a Jets standpoint is they get Cleveland in week two. And any team that had the Browns on their schedule, you were probably keeping your fingers crossed and hoping that you saw Cleveland in the first half of the season because there is a great chance that Deshaun Watson is probably going to get punished by the NFL and he'll have to serve some sort of suspension for his off-field activities. And if you're playing him in week number two, there's a pretty darn good chance that Deshaun Watson's not going to be the quarterback. And that in all probability, the Jets are going to be taking on Jacoby Brissett instead of Watson, which I don't think I have to tell you that is a big step down at the quarterback position. So maybe they get a little bit of a break there. And I think that when you also look at the Jets, you have a, a, a stark difference Pre-bye week versus post-bye week. Now, remember last year, the Jet bye week was early because it was right after that London game. So it was around like week five or week six or something like that. This year, it's in the middle of November. It's like right dab smack in the middle of the year. So it's a true like, you know, play first half of your schedule, get a week off, and then come back and, and finish out the campaign. The schedule after the bye, at least on paper, looks a little bit more accommodating than what you have to deal with before the buy. And, and and I will say this, you know, not getting too far ahead of ourselves a little bit. And as I also caution, you do just never know when it comes to these things. But should the Jets still be alive and still have a pulse going into the final four games of the season? On paper, there might be some opportunities there to get a couple of wins. Lions at home, Jaguars at home at Seattle, and then at Miami, there are worse ways to close out a season for the final four games. And that being said, Jets still have to go out there and do it because I think another season for the Jets to where they're dead and buried by the middle of November, which has been the case over the last handful of years, to me that's almost unacceptable. This team is better. This team has more talent than they've had in recent years. This is a team that should be playing competitive games into the month of December. And especially the way the NFL is, is steeped in parity, and you have now the extra wild card team, there's no reason why they shouldn't at least still be playing a meaningful game once December rolls around. Now, selfishly speaking, and if you're a fan, you probably agree with this, they hit the proverbial jackpot 
Christmas week. I don't know if Woody Johnson or anybody had to call in a favor or, or work some magic with the NFL schedule makers, but leading up to the release of the schedule, like I was telling people, you know, family, friends, and whatnot, and I was kind of like lobbying, not that I have any say in the matter, but I was hoping that for that week, I think it's week 16 of Christmas week, I always say the jackpot game to have is the Thursday night game because you get it out of the way. So then you can have the entire holiday weekend all to yourself. And now for us, we get that game on the Thursday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars on December the 22nd. Okay, you do the game, you come home, voila, and now you get to enjoy your holiday for three days and not have to worry about football. So that's a beautiful thing. So the Jets actually got a little bit of a break there from the schedule makers. But now you got to go out there and win games, right? Now you got to go out there and actually get it done, which is the hard part. And I don't think I have to remind any Jet fans or football fans out there that they have not won a game in the month of September since Sam Darnold's NFL debut on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions in 2018. Think about that for a second. September of 2018 was the last time the Jets won a game in the first month of the season. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, I think it goes without saying that has to change. Now, as far as the Giants are concerned, I, I thought it was interesting. Um... That opener at Tennessee, that intrigues me. You know, it's not the conventional, like, oh, hey, let's play the, you know, let's play the Cowboys week one. Like, you know, they're so accustomed to doing. Remember all those years the Giants and Cowboys playing on Sunday night football, it seemed like? Well, now you're playing a team in the other conference on the road and a Tennessee team, which has, you know, undergone a little bit of a transformation here during the offseason. You know, Ryan Tannehill is not anybody's mentor, as he plainly told you last week, to Malik Willis, who they drafted in the third round out of Liberty, but... You know what? They still have Derrick Henry. They still got some uh, certainly pieces there on the defense that can cause some problems. So good test for the Giants right out of the gate week one. They get the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. So that's their, you know, national television exposure. And they also get a Monday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys early in the season. So both games against the boys going to be on national TV. You know, the Thanksgiving game, even though it's in the afternoon, that to me might as well be considered a primetime game because you're the only game on. Right. To me, a primetime game is you have one option and that's your game for people to watch. And on Thanksgiving in the late afternoon window, Giants Cowboys is the only NFL game on for people to enjoy. So that is a good opportunity. We'll see if the Giants uh, are up to the task. Interestingly enough, they go to London to play the Packers in what is that week number five? Very similar to when the Jets went there last year. It, It might even be like almost identical. But the Giants opted not to take the bye week immediately after the London game. So they held off on it, and instead they get a bye week more towards the middle of the season on November the 6th. To each his own. You know, look, you could be a team that after five weeks of the season, you might need the bye. You know, you don't know how injuries are going to unfold. You could be a team that's depleted and banged up, and, and you're begging for a bye. Or you can have a little bit of good luck, and you can still be relatively healthy after five games in, and then you say, yeah, you know, we'll save the bye. So that's what the Giants are banking on, and they want it a little bit later on in the season. And, you know, there is a like a four-game spell in the middle of their schedule, which actually kind of looks pretty workable, if you ask me. And it actually works around the bye. You know, week seven at Jacksonville, and then a trip out to Seattle. Okay, those teams aren't that good this year. Then you have the bye week, and then you come back for two home games, one against the Houston Texans, and then one against the Detroit Lions. So think about that. Those four games right there, Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, Lions, those are winnable games 
what we would like to think right now. Now, we don't know how those teams are going to be come November. There might be a surprise or two in that bunch. But the Giants are going to be challenged this year. You know, when you have as many question marks as they have, plus you're breaking in a new coach, a new regime, you're making changes all over the place, there is going to be a learning curve. The Jets experienced that last year. You know, both of these teams, I think, are going to have to have a lot go their way and a lot have to break right for them in order to be playoff teams. I just think that, you know, for obvious reasons, the Jets are a year ahead of the Giants in their program, right? Because that coaching staff and everybody, they've been there last year. So there isn't that learning curve to where players have to pick up new scheme, new terminology, new all, all those things. Giants are all doing that stuff now. So I think if you're going to flip a coin and say which of these two teams has a better shot of maybe making a playoff run this year, I think it's the Jets because I think on paper they're more talented in addition to those other reasons that I outlined. But that's the schedule. I look forward to it each and every year. You know, I, I still haven't really had time in the last 24 hours to go through all the games and the weeks and to see all the primetime matchups. And I guess, though, I did see that the Lions are the only team in the NFL that did not get a primetime game this year. But they get Thanksgiving. And to me, like, as I said, that counts as primetime. You're the only game on at 1230 on Thanksgiving Day. So that still equates, if you ask me. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>